Hey, everybody. I'm Jay. And I'm Jared. And welcome to another episode of Mentor Minutes um, as part of the Meeple Mentor YouTube channel and podcast. Indeed. 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 And today we're continuing our series of interviewing different designers. And we're joined today by Paul Solomon. How are you? Howdy. Very happy to be here. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Excellent. It's and great to have you on the uh, podcast. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, all Appreciate the way from St. Louis, I believe. Right? St. Louis, Missouri. Yep. Yeah. Woo-woo. Oh, there we go. Okay. And if, I, and if I followed NHL teams, I'm sure I would know who that is. St. <laughs> Louis that Blues. The who? St. Louis Blues. St. Louis. Oh, well, that's. Yeah, I'm not much of a sports guy. I don't yeah, know. I'm more that's of a right. that's nerdy type. Yeah, I, I collect board games. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so, so Paul, you've designed several games, um, some of which actually we've, we've both played different of your games. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Honey Buzz being the most recent one that I've played that you co-designed with uh, Ian and another gentleman who I'm losing his name. Yeah. Um, but uh, th- that was a really interesting game. You, you tend to make um, family games, but as part of the other line that you work on, uh, Genius Games, uh, you have some, I think, I would consider standout games in the market as opposed to the themes that you choose and um, some of the way that you integrate those mechanisms and the themes. So uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the other games you've designed as well? And uh, just kind of take us through um, what you're working on now. So uh, my first kind of big design um, personal project was Honey Buzz, which took about five years of production Mm. uh, or five years of development and design and everything with um, Elf Creek Games. And in that time, I met John Covey, who is kind of the owner and main guy at Genius Games. Mm. And um, he, I sort of pitched it to him because it has a little bit of an accurate theme, but it didn't quite work. They have really hardline science themes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he ended up helping me pitch it to Jamie Stegmeyer and then other people as well. Um, but as after seeing my designs, he kind of brought me in to just play test some stuff and give some feedback. And then I said, you know, give me give me a game that isn't really working. Let me try to do something with it. And he gave me this, you know, Mendelian genetics game, um, which he didn't really give me even a game. It was just sort of components. And he'd already been working on it for like three years at that point, I think. Um, But that was, that was the first one we started working on together to try to turn it into something good. And it really spun through like many, many iterations um, we even took it to Stonemeyer Design Day and showed it off with a finished version, like a finished design. And then that underwent an overhaul um, later on. And then through that process, we, over the course of like basically a summer, did Periodic, which was my first published game, which is like a family weight game about the periodic table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got to say, I'm a big fan of like just incorporating education and science into board gaming. And Genius Games is, I think, you know, the the, the shining example yeah. Of, yeah. of doing yeah. that um, sure. in like the best way possible. Because yeah. not only is it educational, but they're really great. Like they're yeah. fun. Yeah. They're they're. I mean, they're beyond functional. Like they're they're excellent in their own right. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's really the the thing over there is like number one, the science has to be accurate. And John's basic process, at least for most of the stuff he's done, is like start with the most accurate, almost simulation version of it and try to weed that back. Hmm. Um, Working with Hmm. me, I think it was a little more like how can the mechanics work and how can we fit that to something? Mm -hmm. Like when we worked on periodic, we were thinking, you know, what is the science that we want to incorporate about the periodic table? 
we yeah. want the the you know groups to be there we want collections of elements to be there and you know just trying to start with the science of like the periodic trends you know atomic number increases or decreases this way atomic mass increases one way and how can we fit those things together now now your background so you have a degree in mathematics mm-hmm. um and are you still teaching as well yep okay. yeah so i'm a full-time uh math teacher I teach now, I teach ninth grade and 12th grade, basically, like a geometry and advanced calculus class. I also run a makerspace at the school where I teach. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's my full-time career. And then I just do this on the side. That's yeah, awesome. I was, was going to say that must benefit when you're you're especially doing games that are based on, you know, different scientific principles and studies and, sure. and all that stuff. Yeah. Do, do you feel that uh, having a better understanding of mathematic principles and logic and all that mm-hmm. has helped mm-hmm. design uh, the, the design phase of board games? For sure. I mean, I think that 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 like mathematical mind is kind of like that's what I'm using when I play games. That's mm-hmm. what's like triggering for me and, and making me excited is solving puzzles of having good turns and figuring out how the systems work and stuff. So um, from being on the other side of that and trying to like reverse engineer some systems that would work is also the same kind of skill set. And definitely like if, if, if you're in a development phase on a game, you're doing all of this work with like numbers and balancing things. The trouble with it is this, that I might see something in the game design from an advanced perspective and feel really solidly like that's balanced. You know, that's how Mm. the points should work or something. Mm. But then when it goes to the players, if they don't see it that way and it feels unbalanced to them, that's, that matters just as much, you know? You know, it's interesting that you say that because you, um, I listened to Jeff Engelstein talk about this exact thing um, and where he said that, you know, he would use, mathematical simulations and everything else to to guarantee that um you know a lot of the different things in his games are are balanced and sound yeah but to a uh, player if they feel something's imbalanced that's like you said it, it it's so i'll give you an example of that um idea of how kind of the perception of the mathematics can affect gameplay and stuff like that so in genotype it's based on mendelian genetics and the core mechanism that we started with was Punnett squares, which you've done in like, you know, high school biology, you have dominant and recessive traits, parent genotypes, and you roll the dice, and it tells you what the genotype of the of the offspring was. And, you know, if, if you had parents that were like, heterozygous dominant, which would be like, capital lowercase, so dominant recessive and dominant recessive, that's yeah. kind of the typical thing, you have a quarter of a chance of getting dominant dominant, mm-hmm. a quarter of a chance of getting recessive recessive, and a half chance of getting the same same thing. Hmm. So we took that idea as the starting place and had a point scheme, which was kind of like, if you hit the middle of the road one, that's 50% of the chance, you get like two points. But it's better if you get the one that's harder to hit, right? If you get a recessive or you get a dominant, that's, that's three points, okay. But in the game, you're able to modify the parent genes so that you could make the parent genes recessive so that you know, it would be like lowercase, lowercase, and then that parent would only give recessive genes, and that would make it actually a higher percentage chance. So even though there's like a way in which it's true that recessives are less common, if players see a benefit to making the parents be recessive because the point values are there, then it becomes more likely. So there's like this feedback loop of the point system 
affecting the players and turning around, turning the point system on its head. We, we spent a lot of time mm. trying to figure out how that would actually work in games. I think the way that you designed it and how it, mm. it works with the dice rolls, I mean, that was a really genius part of this thing. When I saw how that was working and, and the fact that you can adjust the uh, the two parents and stuff with rolling it to, you know, the uh, or flipping it over to the, yeah. uh, you know, parent and, and recessive. And it's like, wow, like that makes a lot of sense. And I used it strategically against uh, one of the players who I was like, oh, <laughs> I see you're only looking for the yeah. double R. And it's yeah. like, well, let's just flip that one. And now, you know, less chance for mm. you. Yeah. And I ended up strategically uh, in that particular game when you can put your worker um, at that spot where you go first. Yeah. And so if the uh, thing rolled, right, which there's a low chance, but if it did, right. I would have first pick and I could hate draft it. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you and he was pretty upset by the whole thing. <laughs> it went even better. Yeah. Which was fun. <laughs> no, no, I've not had a chance to play this yet, but um, from what I read, so this is really, so what you're really doing is you're acting as assistants mm -hmm. and you're trying to, so, so during the game, you're, you're, it's, it's about peas and inheriting gene properties from yeah. peas, yeah. right? The, so the different I, traits that they, they might have, um, but they're linked to different uh, letters, big and small mm -hmm. that are combined to make, certain traits right so yeah. so paul explain a little bit why why you landed on for, when it comes to anything with genes i mean it could have yeah. been cloning it could have sure. been disease it could have been virus it could have been a lot of things how did you settle on this particular theme so thematically like you said in the game um th this work the, the the foundation of genetics came from gregor mendel who did his work with pea plants okay and um hmm. in, in particular the you know that you could have wrinkly peas or smooth peas and you could have different seed colors or seed shapes and just propagating thousands of these things and calculating the statistics and build, you basically reverse engineering the model for inheritance off of that. So um, it's historically accurate is, is the answer to that. And Ooh, genius, cool. um, genius Games doesn't do the thing where you would take an accurate science and then build it into like a sci-fi universe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, they have another brand, Artana, that might do that, but it's really that's he wanted it to be as accurate as possible. So you're basically you're in an abbey because Gregor Mendel was like a monk, I believe, mm -hmm. and uh, you're helping him validate the traits of this research, mm -hmm. and you're yeah, spending cool. time through the course of the game. Very cool, like very the real cool. life theme just mm -hmm. determine the game's theme, mm -hmm. yeah. which made it stronger. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. I know it wasn't a game that you designed, but I played Cytosis, also genius, you know, a title mm -hmm. by Genius Games. Solid and game. Solid game. And what I, I, that was what impressed me too, is how well the mechanisms fit the actual process that was taking place. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think you guys, you know, really nail that in your games. Um, yeah. And, and actually along those the same lines. So have you, what, what is your plans or what is the, do you know the company's thoughts about trying to get these games into more schools and libraries and and um, places of you know even higher education? Have, yeah, has, has that been a big push as well? Um, I I do know that Genius Games does have games in schools, and um, I don't know if they have like a salesperson on staff at this point, but they but that is a, a part of the push, and they also go to like homeschooling conventions and help parents that, you know, might do like game schooling type stuff at home to mm -hmm. find those resources. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I mean, for me personally, that I would have learned so much yeah. more. This is the most fun way to learn science. Yeah, I've ever yeah, seen. it really is. It, it, it's not. It's not like the it's better than the video day. It's not like yeah. the boring old school games that try sure. to push push math or something on yeah. you. Right. I mean, th these are actually entertaining you know, yeah. fun strategic games. So. And that's very much the idea as we do the development and design is like, we we're trying to imagine it played in a classroom or at home. And we want both of those audience to, you know, find something that they would enjoy. So as we did periodic, we are thinking about like, what's the science that the teachers would care about? Cause there's other stuff we could put in, but mm. if that's not what's important necessarily in a high school chemistry class, then maybe it's not what's going to be in that base version of the game. Uh -huh. so, so you're saying like um, for the de designers that work with genius games and for those particular games that from the, the very start of the discussion of a new game, you're, you're mm. always considering the educational um, mm. use, not just, mm. you know, not just um, yeah. is it educationally true or is it, you know, right. Right. But but you're considering, okay, like when we design audience, this, this yeah, target yeah. is an important target to consider mm. during the design phase. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, somebody could design a game and just pitch it to them and not have thought about that. But with a lot of the stuff that starts in-house or anything that I've worked on with John, that's always a part of the discussion. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, as just as far as like the whole issue of how can we broaden, you know, the use of board games, whether it's educationally or, you know, outreach or, um, you know, community gathering, like any, any kind of use that board games can have. Education is a, is a nice one to uh, to point to. And, and again, just having that sort of mentality mm. that Genius Games has, it's just really cool yeah. to see mm. that it's been successful and it continues to be. Yeah, it has it has a value beyond just pure entertainment, you know. Um, so so I know we, we kind of started with the games themselves, but so how, how about your journey? I mean, did you start out as a gamer and decide, oh, I want to design these things? Or um, I know you mentioned St. Louis, and mm -hmm. I, I was going to ask you as well if you knew Jamie Stegmaier, because I know he's yeah. got the uh, convention where, where it comes to a bunch of people going and get, pitching their prototypes and all that stuff. So yeah. what, what's your sort of backstory? So um, I, you know, I, I think I've been playing games for about 10 years now, maybe, um, and it kind of started for me with uh, diplomacy. It was kind of like <laughs> I was working at a school in Brooklyn in this department of 10 or 20 people. And they said we should do a diplomacy game. And so it was a ton of fun. It went, you know, went on for like the whole school year. But I got really hooked on that. And I was playing it online and just mm. constantly playing diplomacy games. And then a friend of mine invited me over. And we played like Ticket to Ride, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, that just kind of got me going. I started going to the St. Louis board game meetups. And of course we have miniature mark, uh, miniature oh, market here. So that's right. That uh, St. Louis is a great area for board games. The access for board mm -hmm. games is mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really, and, and you know, we have several publishers here too that are like gray Fox and genius games and stone Meyer and greater than games. So um, it's a great place to do that. But ultimately like the decision to make games design games that's just sort of the kind of guy that I am a little bit that I, I get into hobbies and I try to like make up make it a little addition to them I've had you know I've been, I was a juggler a musician you know I you did all kinds three. of stuff yeah <laughs> that's one. a great place to start one is the be even more natural place to start. so uh, you know and running a makerspace that's just kind of the, I like to figure stuff out and see what I can do with it and put a put my own little spin on it and make a contribution so 
Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. And I'll, and I, I do know Jamie, he, uh, he and I are in a little like disc golf group. Oh, nice. Well, I've seen a lot of his Instagram Oh games. yeah. He's mentioned that. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. right. I play a lot yeah. in college too, actually and, before uh, board gaming. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. so um, that's kind of my new hobby was, was disc golf. <laughs> yeah. Disc golf. Because. So did you meet St- Jamie Stegmar through disc golf? So I met Jamie, um, through honey buzz. I, I pitched it to John and John said, you know, it doesn't really work for me, but Jamie should take a look at it. He pitched it or he, he gave Jamie my contact, yeah. pitched it to him. He sort of gave me some feedback about things to tweak and develop and then pitched it to him again. And he said they were close, but decided not to, but this is, when they were doing wingspan and development and I said, we got to do a birds and the bees, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a cool that expansion. Been, it's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, I mean, as far as maybe it's still on the table, well, yes. you know, Elf Creek has done amazing things with, with the game and for sure. the components. I mean, it, it could absolutely be a Stonemeyer game when it, when you look at how, what quality that game is yeah. and that's even without the upgraded components um that's right you know i i i, I thought that was a um not only is it aesthetically pleasing it, it's one of the best looking games you can put on a table Definitely. um but it has you know really unique mechanisms around sort of the spatial element of building the different hives but then also turning that into um you know a uh, really an auction element like an auction style game in a way mm-hmm. at least that's that i think of it kind of as a, a loose auction type game but you're really fulfilling contracts you know yeah um but you're trying to get there before the other players so um th- did that theme kind of just come to you or did you think of a, a game where you're you know fulfilling contracts in unique ways and then you thought here's a theme that might match that right i uh i we talked a little bit about how like theme and mechanism stay really tied in the games that I worked on, which is very true. But the way it worked in Honey Buzz was, you know, as a mathematician, and I, I was a mathematical artist for a while there, I know a lot about tile systems and tile laying and tessellations and stuff. And so I wanted to kind of leverage that to come up with a new <laughs> tile system. So the original mechanical idea was that you had rhombic tiles, which are basically like two equilateral triangles connected and then those fit together and the hook was that you could connect them together in different ways so you could have Mm. you know four in a corner or you could have four in a corner a different way or five in a corner or six in a corner or three and so i wanted you know Hmm. something to come out of that um what i did though was like truncate those triangles so i put a little cut in them and that made a space in the middle where you could actually put something so right, it was right. it was going to be like you would create a resource and you'd put it on top of the tiles, but then cutting that hexagon meant it could go in the middle. And so the the theme of making that a hive and putting nectar in that space made sense. And then after that, I just did like a ton of bee research. And <laughs> right, so now you know, you're like, the most uh, like red researcher <laughs> on. Bees. I know a thing or two. That is well, for sure. Well, you know, because there's what five five different honey types in addition to pollen. Or four, or four different. I can't remember. There's four, yeah, four, yeah. and um, and they're all unique shapes. And mm-hmm. and what what I thought was really clever, as you said, with the tile laying was, you know, every tile is this sort of two. Are they two hexagons? Yeah, they're two hexagons. Uh, two hexagons, yeah. but they can only form a maximum when you arrange them different ways. Of I think it's was it four different shapes. Yeah, different there shapes. there is a fifth one, but um, it's not in the rule book because it just this kind of didn't work for the gameplay. Every now and again, somebody will post that they 
huh? made this other thing, yeah. which is like all white. And then I just tell him it could be a wild. Oh, um, but yeah, it's mostly those four. That's interesting. So that's like the Starbucks secret menu item in the game. That's the little Easter egg. Is that what that is? Yeah, Easter egg. <laughs> that's cool. I like that. I, I'll have to play around with that and see if I can actually make that yeah. shape. I, and I'm looking forward to trying it. This is one that uh, I hadn't played yet. Yeah. And, you know, he hadn't played Genotype, but I'm glad that we had both played yeah. each one, even if we couldn't play them together just right. yet for this interview. Yeah. And and, and now, um, do you have any other projects in the works now that you can talk to us about even? We're working now on the first kind of big box expansion for Honey Buzz, um, mm-hmm. which we haven't said a lot about just yet, but I've been given a little bit of leeway to tell you a few things. Cool. Um, so you yeah. got approval so the, the, for this podcast? I got a little approval from the Elf Creek guys to tell <laughs> you. Is, is, this, is this exclusive? <laughs> it is so far. I, oh, nobody right. else knows. Right. It. I'm going to actually put this post it closer. Tomorrow. Sounds good. You just moved up in our schedule. <laughs> That's so the, the idea of this expansion is um, Honey Buzz takes place in the fall, or sorry, in the spring. And, you're, you know, things are starting to blossom and the bears are waking up and coming for your honey. And that's why the queen has set up this market stand to sell the stuff mm-hmm. in the first place. And now in, the, in this first big expansion, we see what's happening in, in the fall as winter sort of heads toward us. And so it's basically got a bunch of modules in it to do a couple different things that are fall related. You can collect some foliage um, to decorate the hive. Hmm. You start to cap your nectar to store that away for the winter, which is something that bees do. Um, you can start to reti- retire your workforce and send them off to the harvest festival to celebrate. Huh. And, uh, and also the game will feature new art that's fall related and four new, you know, Honey blends, basically honey, honey varieties. Wow, that's, that sounds like a that huge. Expansion. That is a big box expansion. Um, that's and, cool. so the big box will include enough space that you can put the base game in there. You know, I would doubt that. Yeah, I was gonna say I can <laughs> I barely, get, I can barely get the game in the box right yeah, now because so. there's so many components yeah, with like, those tiles. I feel like sometimes you know you get so many expansions and then maybe the base game like is already completely full. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, <clears throat> can we can we ask somehow mm-hmm. to just get one yeah. one of the main <laughs> expansions that you know you you get to be big enough to include everything? Right, right. Well, so so Paul, does this does this amp up the complexity in your a little mind? bit, a little okay. bit? So so the the uh, one of the modules is this um, the new fall woodland board, which has a replacement for the four honey types, so that they're um, instead of being wildflower, rosemary, acacia, and cherry blossom. They're four other appropriate fall blends. And, you know, again, talking about theming and mechanism and components, all the honeys in the original game are really spring honeys that would blossom at the same time. And the colors of the honey tokens Hmm. are pretty close to what they actually are. So Brent, who is, I think he's the president of Elf Creek, drives himself crazy trying to keep that really accurate. And we did that again for the fall. Um, oh, it changes cool. It changes the way that the uh, nectar field could work a little bit. And mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of pollen, you might be collecting fall fruits to try to sell on a fruit stand. Oh, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I love the, the squishy little 
nectars too. Mm-hmm. I just I'm yeah. a nut, I'm a nut for components. Yeah, so like yeah and we haven't seen the samples yeah. yet, but I have a feeling we're going to have some really nice fruit yeah. components as well. Yeah, definitely. So would you consider this like the must-have expansion? Yeah, I think Cunny Buzz works really well on its own, and for some people, like that's plenty. Mm-hmm. But um, for people that want to do another level of thinking, want something else that's going to push on the worker placement or you know, another module or two to think about. Um, It definitely changes the shape of a game. And if you want to score a lot more points, you can definitely do that. Do you you think that uh, it's too complex of an expansion where you might uh, lose some of the people that were more of a a non-gamer or family gamer? Yeah, I mean, I I think that there's plenty of people that won't buy it. I think the general rule is like you sell a half or a quarter of the, Mm -hmm. maybe that's even an overestimate. Right. you know, for going to an expansion. No, no. Is the plan to go to Kickstarter with this? I think that is the plan. Yeah. Um, I don't know the dates yet, or at least mm-hmm. I haven't been authorized to say anything like that. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think that's the plan and you'll probably see, so, you know, typical type of yeah. Kickstarter awesomeness. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I, you have to, because you have yeah. to, you got to match the upgraded components, right? <laughs> Either yeah. that or you sell the Lux version, I guess, but yeah. Um, awesome. Awesome. And uh, do you have any other uh, news or information on Genotype? Is there anything in the future for that, or is that going to stay the way it is? That game's so new, I think, right now, that they're seeing what it's doing. Um, we spent a little time working on a possible periodic expansion over the last week and decided that it wasn't something we were probably going to pursue. We had some good, accurate mechanisms mm-hmm. um, that you know we could incorporate, but it was sort of the thing where, like, the the circle of people that would be interested in periodic and interested in that expansion, there's not enough of an intersection there to sell copies. And so, you know, we could do it and it could be a product that could sell, but it's not enough to merit the time because there's at genius games, there's such an opportunity cost that if they pick up another game that they can make awesome, then it could be a bigger deal. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if we can go back to uh, the the design phase of uh, genotype, I I am curious um, since it, like it seems just like a bucket of things were just landed on your desk, right? Mm-hmm. So like I'm curious what kind of stuff that you had to 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 change or add in to make it more playable. Um, yeah. a little bit more on like your contribution to to making it a complete game. So at the point that he gave it to me, I think what it was was just like a, a handful of Punnett squares, some dice and some cards. And um in the original version, I mean, he didn't even give me a rule sheet. It was sort of like you would roll roll dice and you had to, you you kind of like would place workers to claim a certain thing. And if it came, you scored points. So it was a more of a betting game in its early version where you were taking actions to set up the parent genotypes or taking actions to kind of bet on a certain um, offspring genotype. And then if it hit, you got a reward. And we ran with that for a long time. We had a version, we had a couple different action systems that we were going through where you had a like a work a single worker that you moved between the different trait boxes. And so you couldn't just stay in one place. Um, there was some set collection at one point where if you succeeded in a certain area, you took a token and you were playing some point um, schemes on set collecting those things. Um, and we sort of ran into a little bit of a dead end with the development because we had what I felt like were finished games that were fine. And John felt like they weren't really good enough. Um, we took them to Stonemeyer design day and the re- re- reviews were basically that it was, a, it was fine. 
Um, so John asked Ian Zhang to do some development work on it. And Ian um, basically overhauled the game quite a bit and gave us back what is roughly the worker placement system now. So he, um, he had a dice draft rather than uh, the dice betting and had the, you know, the like first pick, second pick system. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things that we ended up kind of boiling down. It was a pretty long road from getting it from Ian to finishing it as well. But uh, that really helped. And the biggest thing about it too was um, with John, he really needs to see the ideas. So, you know, when he and I work, I, we pitched a hundred ideas back and forth about, okay, what if it's not this, you draft them, you do that. And um, a lot of those things we talked about, but to give it to somebody else and have it come back fresh and let him see it made a lot more sense and started to click. Yeah. It's amazing how a game can go through that many sort of evolutions um, from where you start, you know, thinking it's going to be one type of game to where you kind of land, you know, after you add in some development as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, I, I think that journey must be a really exciting and interesting one because uh, I'm sure you, you landing in a place that you didn't think you'd be in and then seeing the success that you have, that's yeah. probably, probably got to be a pretty cool feeling. Oh yeah. It's super awesome. I, I, the, the best things are like, you know, the day that art shows up is always like Christmas. Mm. Oh, and, you know, I, the work that I did on Honeybuzz, I think obviously is important and it makes the game work and stay on a lot of people's shelves. But also what Elf Creek did and what Anne Heidseek did with the art and production. I mean, it, it, yeah. there, were other, there were other publishers that had the game that, you know, I was really hoping they were going to pick it up. And I'm so glad that that didn't happen. Right, right. You know? Yeah. I, I, the illustrations, I mean, it's almost like a, I, I, I kind of thought back to those Honeybuzz cards, the um, uh, contract cards, yeah. as, as almost something like you'd see in like a Winnie the Pooh yep. type of book or, or, you know, a storybook illustrations. Right. Um, they're just very, very well done. I mean, I, I love that. Yeah. We spent a lot of time on that art direction because, mm. you know, there weren't a lot of illustrations of bees mm. that were, in, you know, these are freaky to people. They're scary, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, so we focused on trying to figure out what they were going to look like and doing research on like the scale of anthropomorphism, because you can have, you yeah. can have animals that are just basically animals, or maybe they're animals, but they talk, or maybe they wear just a shirt mm. or every now and again, they wear a hat or they're wearing Donald full Huck. clothes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are they walking on hind legs, you know? And so, mm if you, we had kind of touchstones for all those things and Winnie the Pooh was a good example of where we landed with, and, and the other one was like um, the rats of Nim and oh, yeah. uh, That's yeah. cool. that That's level. Cool. Um, like and the then just, exactly. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. So to see Anne, you know, really pick that up. And then the, the, for the bees, we found an illustration on, you know, Google or whatever of a, uh, it was like a, a stuffed bunny. It was, like, it was an illustration, but it was like a stuffed bunny, um, I think, that looked like a bee, but it, it was really furry. And so that was the part that we wanted to focus oh, on is yeah. that bees are fuzzy. And so right, right. If, you, if you showcase that fuzziness, then they seem softer and they're not friendlier, as, you know, stingy. Huh. You're right. You know, I, now that I'm thinking about the artwork, you're absolutely right. Downplay that, that stinger. Yeah, because mm -hmm. yeah, it's, very, it's very whimsical art. It's very, very friendly, like inviting art. It just... Um, 
it's it, it it belies the nature of the game which mm. is has that strategic element you yeah, know yeah uh but I, I think it came together in a great great combination so yeah having good artwork is a big part of the experience of the game i mean sure. yeah. you could have some really great systems but sometimes the art just turns people yeah. off or... i'm, I'm yeah. superficial i mean art really yeah. you know, elevates my uh love yeah. of the game in a lot i of... think that's the most important <laughs> thing right now to sell a game is what it looks like because mm. you know if i'm in target or miniature market or whatever that is why i pick a game box up mm -hmm. it is the yeah. very reason i pick a game box up that's why i click on a a, a youtube video and mm -hmm. look at the preview is because of art and there are i'm sure lots of great games that i just know nothing about for that reason yeah you're right and it's especially key for kickstarter as well you know i mean that that or you have a bunch of mini like initial presentation <laughs> right yeah. And also even Genotype has a really attractive artwork style to it. Mm -hmm. And yet it also yeah. sort of conveys the type of game that it's going to be. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's professional looking, but it's also like kind of this intriguing type of, um, I don't know, it's, it's good. It's a good picture to look at. And then when you open it up and you actually get it open, just everything kind of works together. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's hard to say it's like, oh, it's just, it's got a lot of brown, <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, like, everything is organized in such a an easy to understand way um with various shades of brown and mm -hmm. like they have all mm -hmm. stuff and i was like this feels like um like a science type of setting mm -hmm. you know it's, yeah. it feels like it's something that you would find um on the desk of some you know brilliant geneticist yeah, that's good exactly that's cool. yeah very cool and it's just part of the theme that brings you into yeah. the game yeah definitely definitely just pulls you into that kind of world a little bit yeah um mm -hmm. now, now you, you as a high school teacher um, and, and I'm sure this is more difficult with COVID, but do you, do you ever use your students as playtesters? For sure. Yeah, I, uh, I, there's a lot of my students are named in the rule book for Honey Buzz. And, you know, I having had that game for as long as I did, you know, years of students played that game. The mm, original well, Beeple design mm. was um, uh, 3D printed Beeple designed by a student who was an eighth grader at the time. And that's very, very close to the end, the end result that was made in, you know, China. Yeah. I love those little beeples. Those are super cool. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And they, and they look great, especially on your hive, you know, and everything else. So, yeah. Um, that's that's really neat. Yeah. And the fact that you uh, got a chance to work on it for so long and have so much playtesting and, and involvement mm. of so many different, uh, you know, ideas. And yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And, it. you know, one thing you had said is that, so you developed it for five years, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, I think that's right. So you were playing board games for 10 years, and then somewhere around five years, you mm. said, I'm going to make a game. Mm. Yeah, I would say, um, so probably two years into playing board games, my daughter was born and we left Brooklyn and moved to St. Louis. And at my new the school where I work now, uh, somebody working there was into games and sort of she showed me Lost Cities and he showed me Dominion and um, deck building like blew my mind mm -hmm. and uh, got me so excited and made the wheels really spin for me. I was also really playing the video game FTL at that time. Faster than light. I don't know if you guys know that one. It's sort of a roguelike mm -hmm. um, spaceship thing that is still amazing. And so my first design actually was trying to make an FTL style deck building game um but then as i developed that it kind of wasn't really a deck building game it was something else and again it was fine you know i played it a ton with students the students loved it but 
they didn't know anything about games. Um, and then that eventually got canned, you know, it wasn't, wasn't really a project that was going to get anywhere. Um, and then somewhere around there, I started, uh, working on Honeybuzz. Hmm. That's awesome. And I'm, I'm trying to think like, I wonder, you know, across the board for designers or, or even like content creators, like how, how many years of board gaming do you do before you decide you want to like contribute something, mm. you know, yeah. and yeah. two years is a pretty fast turnaround time in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. You yeah. know, to, to say, I, I love it so much after two years, like, I'm just mm. going to throw some ideas. I'm mm. going to start making something. And even if it wasn't something that, you know, was, uh, was able to become a prototype or, or yeah. get published, you know, you, you stuck with it and said, I'm going to work on something else that I think has a better shot. Yeah. And I think anytime someone can say, I've been working on this for five years, hmm. like that's an impressive statement and a Just, lot of yeah, commitment. Yeah, that persistence yeah. too. You know, sure. like how many times has people said, I've got this idea for this thing. And then they might give it like, however long maybe a year maybe less and mm. then if it doesn't work out they'll just drop it and move on but yeah. totally i think it's awesome to hear stories where it's like mm. i finally got this thing made it's, it's like my pet project that you know finally saw the light of day and, yeah i've, I've yeah. always heard it said that innovation is actually getting things done so mm -hmm. it's not the idea it's the actual putting it to action yeah um you know because then you produce the result that you did and yeah and that's yeah that's something that john covey talks about too you know i've been I, i've been telling him i'm going to work on this like periodic roll and write style game which i am working on a little bit but uh you know he says they're just ideas Paul. yeah <laughs> they're just ideas you gotta you gotta bring something in and execution really is everything and that's why you know uh designers learn pretty early you don't have to get people to sign a non-disclosure agreement you can pitch games to people and they're not going to steal your ideas because ideas are basically nothing in this industry. You have to do all the work. Mm -hmm. And the thing that kept me going was like that I could learn so much. There was so much to figure out about like how to use Illustrator, you know, just like yeah. re reading things from Jamie Stegmeier or listening to ludology or whatever there's so many different things to understand about like the subculture that that that's the kind of thing that gets me jumping from hobby to hobby mm, yeah. yeah and you talked about like going on keeping on from um kind of setbacks i had a version of Honeybuzz, like the first play testable version and i met up at a panera with with my friend royce banuelos and i you know we played the game or whatever and had all these other ideas in it that are not in it anymore. And he, you know, I said, so what do you, what do you think? And I was excited. Like, I was like, I've got something that's going to, that's new, that's different. And like it's playable. And you're, it's, you're it's playable. To... And it's got this tile system that, you know, it's, it's, it's not anywhere else. And he said, um, you know, I think like if I bought this game, like I'd probably just throw it away. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, forward. I was like, all right, that's. <laughs> That makes sense. You know, I was like, what didn't you like about it? You know, try to learn from that. Um, Royce is just kind of, he's a, he's a funny play tester that way. But, <laughs> but it also really people helps. in your life that can tell it to you straight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, especially in like leadership, like people that are candid with you uh, yeah. are, are hugely significant, you know, because if you just have fans yeah. or your family's the Sick one that's your play testers, right? Uh, they're going to support you. Like you know, my you... five-year-old love this. How come he this isn't yeah, so well? Yeah, but we see we see that everywhere, right? We yeah. see that with people who you know are on like shows like American Idol and all these that think they can sing because nobody in their life has ever told them yeah. that they're yeah. tone deaf. It's not that great, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I was going to say the fact that you're in St. Louis. How important is it that you are surrounded by 
groups that get together for like play test conventions and yeah. things like that um, and prototyping and all that. Is that yeah, that's huge. huge the, 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 St. Louis is such a good place to be a gamer, first of all, be a designer, second of all, because again, Miniature Market has two retail superstores here. They're amazing. They even have, I mean, we have the Geekway to the West convention here, which is mm -hmm. fabulous. Mm -hmm. The Geekway to the West um, library, the convention library is stored at Miniature Market and you can go play it all day for five dollars. Whoa! For your whole group, so you can basically have a you know convention style library access any day. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the mm -hmm. board game meetup groups that would would let you go out and, and meet other people and see new games. You know, I most of the games I had ever seen for the first time were at those meetups. Mm -hmm. And then to have the board game designer meetups, which is I think meeting twice a month now. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Um, the Stonemeyer Design Day is one of the most important ones where yeah. at least in, in terms of Genius Games takes their, their games there to mm. you know get them in front of people. And I took Honey Buzz there. The first year I went to Design Day, um, I was on like a wait list or something. And Jamie just called me, I think the day before and just said, you know, I have a spot. Can you come? And I was like, yeah, sure, I can come. Mm. And did a couple sessions playing games and you get ratings back and stuff. And I think it was like the, I don't know, the second highest rated game or something mm. on the year. So mm. that helped, that helped kind of, it's not like you're pitching to publishers there. You're just play testing with people. Yeah. A lot of people are designers or they're just play testers, but yeah. that helped. Um, like audience validation, right? Exactly. Like clearly right. I'm on the right track here. Mm. So yeah. And, and it's just more feedback. And then that was actually the, you know, that was the spark that got me connected to Elf Creek, I think. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Do you think that it's a, it's a difficult thing to hear a lot of criticism um, and try to uh, make changes or, you know, I feel like there's always that instinct when you're, you're developing something to just keep justifying it and keep uh -huh. making what mm. you want it to make and mm. forcing other people to like it. Mm. And, yeah. you know, like being able to take criticism, but apply it and mm. just sort of view it as a malleable, like project like do you can you speak to that yeah i i think um i i'm pretty open and it doesn't hurt my feelings very much when i hear people say that they didn't like the game that's fine what's harder for me sometimes is those moments where people are saying things that i feel like are pretty inaccurate you know they had an experience that didn't match up with the reality of the game but i i've found ways to you know still listen, not correct them. The, I think what was really challenging in the HoneyBuzz development process was um, the, the game, when it came to Elf Creek, and for a long time, for probably four of its five years of development, was that it had this memory aspect as a core mechanism. And I don't know if you've played both versions of it, but the, um, the Nectar Field was face down yes. and yes. you have some knowledge of what was where, but you might, you might peek at them when you forage and miss. And that's thematic. You know, you try to go get something and it's not there. Um, and obviously a memory mechanism is going to have a lot of, it's just going to kind of stand out to people as not belonging in a Euro game. Mm -hmm. So we got a lot of feedback about that for a long time, but that development team all really liked it. And, 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 uh, you know, Johnny Pack Canton played it at Gen Con, I think, and loved what he saw of the design, but just felt like that was 
didn't belong. And so we started trying to, you know, develop an alternative version. That was like an introduction version where it wouldn't have that. And so mm-hmm. came up with the foraging mechanism that's in there now. And right at the end of development made several big shifts mm. to the way that the foraging worked and the way that the worker placement worked and stuff. And all of those ended up being the right decisions. Mm. And I think it was really hard for a long time to, to move on from what had been this. We, we did all this work to make the memory work. You know what I mean? Right. We were really invested in like, there is something fun there and let's make the fun part work. And it does really work. Um, and it is really unique. But it ultimately is probably a better decision not to have done that. Well, that that has got to be the toughest thing, right? Because yeah. it's 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 you've you've put so much into something to then let that have let that go must be tough. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, I've I've heard a lot about things like, you know, people will laud these Kickstarter games because they've dumped so much money into them, but yet mm if they were looking at a specific game objectively, maybe it's not a 10 out of 10, you know? Right. Um, so that, that has got to be, yeah, I would think one of the biggest challenges as a designer, because it's your baby, right? And yeah. And it's, it's not even so much like it's my thing and I want my vision to come out. It's just that, you know, the funny part is that that idea of the face down nectar tiles, it was just, a, you know, it was like, we need an idea out of play tests. And I was like, let's try this. Mm. And then I liked it and I wanted to try to make it work. And there were gameplay moments that were really cool where it was like, you know, I, there's obviously memory is an engaging thing. It's like, I, can I remember or can I not? But also I know that you looked at that tile and it didn't work for you. So that is not the clover. That means that in this field, the only possible remaining ones are cherry. And I looked at this one and it's not cherry. So that one is, you know, all that was really Mm. fun. Mm. But um, for some people, for a lot of people, it wasn't. And the yeah. things that we've done to the to the nectar foraging system in the uh, expansion that we're working on now, I think it just makes it even even better to where, you know, that's that's pretty much the way that I play all the time now. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, because I I've only ever played with those uh, tiles face up. Yeah. Um, and I had seen the variant, and I had read that it was uh, the early design included the memory element. Yep. Um, but uh, but hadn't played that advanced version yet. Mm-hmm. So I have to give that a shot. Cool. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to trying out mm. Honey Buzz, and uh, and I definitely mm. want to show Genotype to you. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of that yeah, heavier I'm, Euro. I'm psyched to play it. So. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> cool. So, Paul, um, how would people get a hold of you? Learn more about your games. Um, get in touch with you. Uh, any any closing comments? Yeah, I, you can probably find me best on Instagram. I think I'm Paul Solomon twenty seven there. S A L O M O N two seven. Um, I'm on Twitter a little bit, but I, you just ignore that. And uh, find me on BGG, of course. Give me a search. I've got a couple games up. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and, uh, you know, just talking about game design and, you know, how you got into it. Got to talk about Genotype. We talked about Genius mm-hmm. Games and, of course, Periodic, which we're on. Just a whole bunch of fun stuff. Yeah. And the Honey Buzz expansion. Oh, man. Coming Exclusive. at some point. At some point to a <laughs> yeah. neighborhood near you. Um, <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing your future games, Paul. I've enjoyed the ones I've played so far. So thanks yeah. for taking the time. It's Keep been it great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it being here. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll see you next time. And uh, for the Mentor Minutes, uh, I've been Jared. And I've been Jay. See you guys Catch later. Catch you next time. Bye.